It's true. We're going to talk about affirming the intrinsic worth in all people. And I'd like to pray. (laughs) So um, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to take uh, this message and speak to our human spirits that we would we would understand by by your spirit and our spirit the deeper truths and that we would be transformed i ask that this would not be just words but that you will be at work in people's hearts and people's spirits with what you want to do and that we would leave here we're already going to leave here changed. It's already been a great evening. But that we, we, leave, we leave here even more changed. <laughs> more and more like Jesus. Amen. It's, uh, it's an honor and privilege to have a chance to do this. And we're going to, you're going to get to hear also from Mark's Rubin. And also we're going, to get you, we're going to get to experience some encouragement as well through the prophetic team. So... If any of you are old enough to remember the Ed Sullivan show, it's going to be a really big shoe. (laughs) And I get to be silly. (laughs) As Brent mentioned last week, how many of you have heard or or were there last week? We We got to hear the great news, reminded of the great news of uh, the freedom and healing that Jesus paid in full for us already and that we get to live on this side of the cross. And as Susan uh, added on to that, we get to live in unconditional grace. And And that's the best foundation we could possibly have. And then we get to, then we get to explore more about what life can mean after that and with that and for, because of that. We're going to go on a journey tonight uh, to understand. I could tell all of you, just go out and affirm the intrinsic worth of all people. Go and do it. You know, just do it. I could do that, but I think some understanding might be helpful to to go deeper. (laughs) So we're going to... We're going to look for some directions. (laughs) Ah, there we go. Understanding. Leif Hetland once talked with us about the value wheel. It starts with understanding. He really wanted to talk about value, but he said we, we can't really value something until we understand something about it. So it starts with understanding, and then we're able to, we're able to, uh, to, to have value, to value something that we, un- we understand it more. And once we value something, then we, we, uh, we can start stewarding it and sowing about that, that particular aspect of the kingdom. And when we've stewarded and sowed for a while, what happens? Multiplication and fruitfulness. And then we have increased authority. This is, this is basically this, the parable of the talents or the parable of the minas, Right? When we steward what we understand, uh, then then God's going to trust us with more. It's really being his sons and daughters. 
We get to be part of our father's business. <laughs> and he says, cool, hey, let, me, let, me, uh, let me share with you my heart and my value and what I care about. And then, um, then we go out and we, we steward what we understand. We sow and we see the multiplication and the fruitfulness. And he says, great, hey, I'm going to give you more authority now. I'm going to give you a bigger sphere. And we don't always know how long th- that process lasts, do we? But it's, it's a good process because we've learned, we, we grow. We grow like G- Jesus grew. Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. And uh, we get to do that too on this earth. So some of the things I'd like to explore in valuing and understanding, I should say, is how our evaluation of people has been shaped, how we, how we value people. There's a lot of things that impact that, a lot of things sometimes we don't even realize until, until they get unpacked. So I want to, um, to explore a bit about how our creator and redeemer values people. We got a big dose of that last week, didn't we? What, what, what better proof could we look for than, than God would come down and live as a man and die for us about how much he values us? We're going to go further. We're going to go a little deeper, though. I mean, a little further into that deepness, I should say. And, um, and that we are invited to join Father God in seeing and helping people unpack the fullness of who they've been created to be affirming their intrinsic worth. Often mothers are the ones that are, are very, very, uh, they just love us no matter what happens. And we feel, we feel really, really safe in their, in their, um, in their affirmation, in their acceptance. And, and often uh, dads come along and they want to get their kids ready for the outside world, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not always the case. I don't want to be just gender-specific, but those are kind of roles, if you will. A fathering role is more about uh, getting you ready, calling you forward, helping you unpack who you are, and the mother is, is, is very nurturing. Now, women can do fathering stuff, and, 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 and men can do mothering stuff, so I don't want to get stuck on the genders. But do you understand what I'm saying? So part of, part of affirming the, to me, part of affirming the intrinsic worth is, is, is uh, as we grow in that, in that capacity, is actually helping people unpack who they really are. Who are they created to be? Brent mentioned part of the scripture last time. In Second Peter chapter 1, the word says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things. Everyone say all things. All things <laughs> pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which we've been given, it's been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Say promises. Thank you. You're doing great. That 
through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we have already been given everything. So that's part of what I mean by unpacking. <laughs> it's unpacking what we've already been given in, in terms of who we were cr- uniquely created to be and also the, the, the promises that we have from him. Yeah, isn't that good? Makes, makes you want to go on the adventure, doesn't it? For ourselves and then to help other people. More directions. <laughs> I want to just uh, also remind us that uh, we are his poema. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for, for cool things, if you will, that we might walk in them. And that's, we want to, we all want to, I don't want to miss those for my life. I almost, I almost uh, went home early three and a half years ago, but I know I've got more to do here. <laughs> 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 Yay! <laughs> so, that is a picture of your mind. <laughs> our, our internal model about people is what I want to talk a little bit about. We all have a mental model about reality. Did you, did you know that? And we're constantly updating it. When when stuff stuff happens that doesn't quite fit with our model, we're we're always trying to um, to, to to optimize our understanding of how 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 the world works, how reality works. We even have models inside of ourselves about the particular important people in our life and how they're probably going to respond in particular situations. Does that make sense? Uh, interestingly enough, there's been some research recently that. Um, at least for some folks with autism, part of their issue is is that their mental model about people isn't working so well. So they end up focusing on things that they can control because they have no idea what's, what's going to happen with people. Interesting, huh? So what are some of the things that impact our mental model about people? Past experiences. That's a big one, isn't it? How we've been treated, the betrayals, the, um, the times we trusted people and it didn't work out. Um, there's just a bunch of things that help form our opinion about, about people, how our mental model about what we expect about people. Assumptions from childhood. We do a lot of uh, inner healing work. I, I work for Susan on the, uh, on the Heart Sync Sozo team. And uh, a lot of times, one of the things that God wants to help us with are the, are the assumptions we made from childhood that are still in operation until, until Jesus touches that and helps us um, be released from those things. A lot of children, for example, decide that they must be a bad person and it must be their fault when their parents divorce when they're young. And they decide, I'm a, I must be my fault. And we can walk around the rest of our life thinking stuff's just our fault until, until we get that healing. Another thing is what we've been taught to value. What was the value system in your family or in your culture? What's important? Is it, is it most important to be uh, young and beautiful? 
for example. Gee, that's that's a message our culture has a lot of, say a lot about. Uh, or is it most important most most important to be rich? Is it most important uh, to be celebrated by your culture? All these things are big topics, but I'm just kind of zooming through them. Another one is our theology about human nature. What what have we been told that God uh, actually feels and thinks about human nature? And we're gonna we're gonna go into that a bit more later. That's a big one, isn't it? And and a lot of times the uh, there's a I would say a negative synergy that goes on. We might have had bad experiences with people, and then we might have we might have been raised in a theology that said people are depraved and evil and sinful. And we go, okay, good, I got it, it's all congruent, don't ever trust anybody. <laughs> and when people do bad things, that's just what I expected anyway. Can you, can you see that? So um, why I'm doing this is because I want to help us challenge, be challenged and allow the Holy Spirit to work in some of these mindsets that we've understandably developed to try to protect our hearts. Another one is news stories. I'm a news junkie. And I, I need help with this. <laughs> Susan tries to help me. <laughs> but a steady diet of news will, will convince you that people are evil and um, that the Islamic terrorists are taking over the world, right? Among other things, it was Ebola a while ago. That kind of faded. But there's always some scary things on the news, right? Yeah, I mean... Uh, we, if we just use that as our as our window to the world's reality, it's it's again we th- we think people are bad, scary, dangerous. Don't want anything to do with them if I can help it. Which I think, which I'm not sure there was a lot of news back back many years ago, but I think that's why a lot of a lot of folks decided they were going to become hermits. <laughs> Some of the early Christians decided they were going to be hermits and just live in caves because I think they thought. Dealing with people is just too scary. Um, but about news stories, how many of you were here when Papa Leif Hetland was here? Yeah, he's come a few times, and he's really tried to encourage us to put on sunglasses. Sunglasses, S-O-N glasses. How, was, how does Jesus see those folks in hijabs and, and burqas and long beards? I'm talking about um, the Muslims. How does, how does Jesus see them? He sees them as beloved sons and daughters, doesn't he? He sees them as ones he, he died to, for as well. Very different than what we get if, if we just chew on the news, isn't it? Awareness of our own shortcomings. That kind of feeds into how we assume other people are also. But wait. The last one. Come on. There we go. Oops. I really went over. How do I get back? Slide. Okay. Oops. Okay. Thank you, Brent. And I'm going to have to. I'm receiving wisdom. <laughs> Slow down. 
slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the presentation work. Ooh. Our, if 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 we are paying attention to the Holy Spirit, He's also trying to trying to shift our our uh, <laughs> our mental model. Thank you, Brent. <clears throat> How our Creator and Redeemer values people. What's one of those famous verses? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Yes. And then there's Hebrews 12, too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus did this because he had to, because he was supposed to, because he really didn't like us, but he was supposed to do it anyway. No. It was for the joy. So he must see something really valuable in us, even if we sometimes have a hard time seeing it. And then First uh, John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that we... that he, when he is revealed that we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is so there's something about beholding that transforms us isn't that astounding that we will be like him in fact we're already on that in that journey in that process aren't we this is how many of you folks remember Keith Green? The, uh, yeah, Keith Green. This was one of, he used one of the this song, Oh Lord, my Lord, how majestic is your name. You remember that song? In all the earth. Yeah. And that's an, it's an extraordinary psalm because if you go down and look at the uh, verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man? that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. And we even have a bigger idea of how big the universe is than, than the psalmist David did, don't we? It's like we are much smaller than previously known <laughs> as far as the universe goes, and yet he's mindful of us. Yet you have made him, meaning man, a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. He's given us the dominion. Then he goes on. To, David goes on to describe us about the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle. Not everything that God's made, but the dominion and over over the over the things in the world. You have put all things under his feet. Isn't that extraordinary? David understood this back in his time. How extraordinary! What an extraordinary place that God has given humans in the universe. So in a little more than a month, we're going to get to enjoy William Paul Young. Yay! And I'm going to play a couple of clips from him. This one will be about 5 minutes and 43 seconds. 
<laughs> Give or take. Uh, <laughs> um, it's hard to get everything to fit in, but in this short period, he does a really good job of dealing with uh, some things about how about the bad fruit of certain kinds of theologies, the kind of theology that devalues people. And sometimes we think that we will magnify God if we just put ourselves down more, right? Is any, have, you ever, have you ever felt that way? Like, gee, if I just make myself lower, that will make God bigger. You know, he'll magnify him that way. And I think a lot of humans have assumed that about the nature of our God. And the fruit's not good of that, it turns out. So put on your seatbelts and... Enjoy this clip. This is, you know, I'll tell you more about how to listen to the rest of this after you hear this. So um, Wade says, you know why you're in so much trouble? I said, he, he said, here's what my people do not understand about the shack. And where you and I share something, he said, you have a high view of Jesus. You have a high view of the incarnation. You have a high view of the atonement. And you have a high view of the Trinity. And they don't see that. They don't understand and I'm sitting there in the car, um, someone who is in this role inside that group of our, our family conversation. And he's affirming what I already know about, but so many of those folks, they haven't even taken the time to see it, right? I have a very high view of Jesus, much higher than generally is in the church. It's true. And for him to acknowledge that was just a big arm around my shoulder. Do you understand? So on this trip, he brought it up again. This is a year ago. And he says, So Paul, I watch the way you love people. And you are entirely consistent between the way you talk about your relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how you treat people. And he said, I come from a Western, evangelical, post-reformational, dualistic frame of reference, theologically. What am I still missing? And I said, I said, wait, I watch you too. And you may have an issue in your head still, but you don't love that way. You love way beyond where you're stuck in your head, which is true. Uh, and, um, and he said, so what am I, what's, what's my disconnect here? High view of Jesus, high view of the atonement, high view of the Trinity, high view of the incarnation. And it's one of those moments where the Holy Spirit gives you something to say that makes you sound brilliant. <laughs> right? And that's the Holy Spirit, let me tell you. She's not only a redeeming genius, she loves to make other people look good. I mean, I'm serious. Uh, how many times have you been in a conversation where you're saying something to somebody and you're thinking, this is so good. <laughs> I should be taking notes, but it would look awkward. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? He says, what am I missing? High view of atonement, Jesus, incarnation. I said, you have a low view of humanity. And he went, oh my gosh, that's exactly right. If you start with a low view of humanity, you have nothing you can build on. This is Francois' statement. An unbeliever is anyone who disagrees with God. God's point of view about 
the perfection and redemption that's revealed in Jesus. Theirs. Who they are. Right? And, uh, and, he said, and I said, a low view of humanity. Well, that low view of humanity dominates our Western conversation. We begin with depravity and separation and then try to build a house of cards theologically on top of that. It is incoherent and it doesn't work. All you're going to end up is in performance. So this gal grew up inside the same one as I did where you begin by being the slime and the dregs of creation. And God, out of kindness, reaches down and lifts you up, but he's still ticked off at you. And as long as Jesus stands between you and him, you're okay. But if Jesus goes to the bathroom, you're toast. <laughs> right? And, and Jesus came, Jesus did come to save me, but he came to save me from God the Father. A lot of us grew up with that. So... Jeannie grows up in the church and she's told that when bad things happen to you it's because you're bad, you know, and, and God has to punish you or he has to set the balances of justice straight and all this stuff. And um, um, she was even told by her parents that she was God's punishment to them. We know how to twist things, you know trying to be consistent with our theological convictions and eventually it becomes disastrous. Well, she's, a, she's the pastor's child who believes that she's bad and so when bad things happen to you it's because you're bad and God's got to... You know, and after all, she is God's punishment to her own parents. What did that produce in her? Well, for some people, they just bail out, become the younger brother, go find an addiction to get lost inside it so they don't feel pain anymore, right? Then there's the older brothers, like me, who become these religious performers. And that's what she did. Every time the door opened at the church, she was there. She was in the music team, she went on missions, she did everything. And then in her 30s was diagnosed with stage 4 colorectal cancer. And she dropped into a massive depression. And you can understand why. The question at the core is this. What is so abhorrent about me that you have to judge me with stage 4 colorectal cancer? Right? And she disappeared inside her depression. Her husband John couldn't reach her. Nobody could reach her. She was gone. There is more to the story. And I will, in just a moment, give you um, a reference. It's on our Winds of Change Bay Area podcast. So. <clears throat> but what I wanted to draw forth is how a low view of humanity ends up leading us to either addictions because we can't handle the pain of, the self, of, of thinking that God hates us or doesn't really like to be around us, or we end up in performance where we're always trying to perform to be good enough. Can you, can you kind of see that? Yeah, and that's been one of the great freedoms of coming to Blazing Fire for me is, is that emphasis of, no, we're not here to perform to get God's love. It's already completely given to us. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and sometimes it takes a while for it to get from here 
to hear. And I hope even, even tonight it's getting more that way for, for you as well as for me. So that's the, uh, you can either go to Winds of Change Bay Area on your iTunes or smartphone under podcasts, or you can go to listen online, and this will be up as, as far as this talk also. So, so understanding, valuing, and I want to talk a little more about stewarding, sowing, multiplying, being fruitful, I'm being more patient this time, and increased authority. It's another story. This is only about two minutes from Paul Young. When he, he grew up, actually, in the jungles of Irian Jaya, or, or Papua, up in the highlands among a, amongst a kind of a cannibal tribe, his, his, his folks were missionaries. And uh, as the gospel spread, um, some of the son of son of the uh, the Dani tribe embraced Jesus. And this is a very short part of one woman's story. In the in the Dani tribal culture, they practiced adult euthanasia um, because it's a subsistence subsistence culture. And so, when your elderly got to the place where they're no longer uh, productive. They would throw them in the river. The Baling River is a very swift, dangerous river, and it was just practiced. Your elderly got old, and you threw them in the river. And, um, and they were not a drain on society that way. Right? Well, there was a woman, and I think her Dani name was Inongodakwe, and but her she took on a Christian name. And it was Dorcas. Do you know the story of Dorcas in Scripture? The woman who helped the poor and was a trader of purple and uh, dyes and things. Well, she took on the name Dorcas. And, and what she did on her own, she went to all the villages and she would say to them, instead of throwing your elderly in the river, would you consider giving them to me? And she created an entire village of elderly people and would care for them until they died, right? And she became sort of in the tribal culture in the interior of New Guinea, kind of like the uh, Mother Teresa of the Dani tribal people. And the thing about people like Mother Teresa, they carry a phenomenal sense of authority just by virtue of what they've done in terms of kindness and grace and, and these kinds of things. And um, so she was highly regarded. Um, they didn't understand, a, some, a lot of them, what, why she was doing this, but she was highly regarded, especially by the elderly. <laughs> so... so. <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I would highly regard Dorcas also. So, so you caught that the their 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 tradition was when you're not you're not really contributing enough anymore. We're going to throw you in this really dangerous river, and that way we don't have to take care of you. But but Dorcas saw what Jesus saw and sees in the value of people, and uh, and she did something about it. She believed she could actually make a difference by, by understanding and then valuing and, and then stewarding 
and doing what she could to help them. And she, she got street cred, even though they didn't fully understand her. And she, she had authority. She had uh, heft in that, in that culture. And if you, if you go and listen to this story, which is actually um, another Winds of Change, it's, both of these were when Paul Young spoke at uh, the Santa Cruz, at Kainos Church down in Santa Cruz, the earlier one on 11-1-2013. You'll get to hear more of her story. She dies and comes back to life and then dies again. So just to intrigue you about that. <laughs> There's a lot, to ha- that, a lot that happens when we actually value people the way, the way Jesus does. And Jesus, when Jesus was 12, he, um, he went with his folks to Jerusalem, and then they headed off with everybody back, back up to uh, Galilee, and then they realized he wasn't there. And they searched for him and found him in the temple, answering questions and asking questions. And people were astounded by his understanding at 12. And when, when his folks says, what are you doing? Jesus said, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And that's, <laughs> that's something we get to, we're invited into too. And part of that is uh, expressing the value he has for, for each one, each person. Each person conceives, conceived has great intrinsic worth bestowed upon us by our creator and redeemed by our Savior, Jesus. The brokenness we experience in this world is proof of the great hatred that Satan has for the one class of beings, human beings, the Trinity has chosen to have the deepest level of community with. Isn't that amazing? There's... There's all these different. There's all these classes of created beings in the in the, in the universe, and yet the one that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have chosen to have the closest level, the closest intimacy with, the deepest level of community, are usans. It's astounding, and I believe that's why Satan hates us so much. It's because he hates God so much. And he's trying to hurt God um, where it hurts the most. But God has a plan. He's, he's already implemented, and we know what the end of the story is. And through fellowship with Holy Spirit, our human spirit can perceive glimpses of what each of us, what we are each becoming. We get intimations. Sometimes it's a sunset or... Or a song, melody, a connection, heart to heart. There's there's different things that we get we get glimpses of 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 who who we are created to be and who who we're becoming and what we get to be part of. I want to read that scripture again, beloved. Now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know when we when he is revealed, 
when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hmm. Does it go any deeper? <laughs> the wonder of and mystery of who we shall be, who we're becoming. And um, I'm going to skip through some slides and have Mark come up so there's time for Mark to share. Mark Sarubin, would you come forward? Wow, what a night, huh? So um, first I just want to give thanks to God, our Creator, for all of you and for everyone who's prayed for me because you're part of the reason why I'm here. And I really love this family. I love all of you. And if you haven't prayed for me personally, you probably prayed for the person next to that person. (laughs) So uh, thank you all. I am um, about a about a thirteen fourteen months ago. I kind of had an experience, and uh, I've been telling my closest friend it's like I'm getting a new gravitational pull. There was a mention Michaela mentioned tonight about things changing and things shifting in her brain, and so I like to tell you a little bit about my experience. It started off uh, about 25 years ago, just real quick. I was in the search of, of the Lord. I was going to home meetings and being a part of home meetings. And I said, Lord, I want to see you. I want to I see you. I want to know where you are. And he said, look for me in others. I placed myself there. I placed myself in earthen vessels. Look for me there. And so I began to hunt. I began to look. Everyone I met, I looked in their eyes. I looked in their face. I was looking high and low, any shape, any size, any color, anywhere, anybody. I was looking for him. And one day I was in a meeting, and this brother began to speak. And all of a sudden, I realized it was my Lord, and he was speaking to me. And then all of a sudden, in a flash, in a moment, I saw him, and he was gone, opened and closed. It was my Lord. It was my King in him. And so uh, fast forward about 14 months ago. I was in a meeting again, and we're just sitting around. We're getting ready to worship. We just had some food and stuff hanging out. And um, this particular brother kind of got under my skin a little bit and <laughs> rubbed me the wrong way. I, I hardly even know him. You know, but, you know, I'm I'm a little bit irritated for some reason. I'm kind of, what's, you know, what's up with that? You know, and I just, just by the grace of God, I said, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to judge him. I'm not his judge. And then something began to happen. Again, it was, um, it was a flash. It was a moment. <laughs> I don't even know what began to happen. But things began to change. The whole room began to change. Everything began to change. And I began to see something that I've never seen before. And I was lost. And the more I gazed, the more I became lost. I was looking into colors and lights and shapes. And I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was looking at. 
but it was something of my king. It was something of his glory, and I was caught up in awe. I was awestruck. The more I gazed, the more I, I wondered what, what is, and it just wave after wave kind of came at me. And it, again, it was just a moment. It was just a flash quickly. And I looked around while I was there, and there was no judgment. There was no criticalness. There was no envy. I'm going, wow. So I went away from that, changed. I went away from that in shock, to tell you the truth. I was stunned, literally stunned. Uh, I, I had a hard time kind of getting home and wondering what that was all about. And um, for the next several months, God began to speak to me about those things, about that time. What was that, God? What was that? What happened? What was I looking at? What was going on right there, right then? And he began, we've got a message from heaven, huh? He said to me, I placed my treasures in earthen vessels. And I went, oh. And so my judgments have been keeping me from seeing you and others. And I kept talking to him about it, kept walking and sharing with him. And, you know, and then... um, One day I passed the mirror and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And I go, what's that? Oh, another message from heaven. (laughs) My judgments about me have been keeping me from seeing who he is in me. So now I'm really wrecked. Now I'm really changed. You know, I totally new gravitational pull. I'm enjoying it. It's a little rocky sometimes. The re-entry can be a little hard. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying it. I got new perspective. I got new values. I've been changed from the inside out. I have more time to respond to others in love than just reacting because I just decided that I was just accidentally going to let go of judgments at that moment. You know, (laughs) so um, tonight (laughs) I give you opportunity to step into the same. Let go of the judgments about others, about your past, about your tomorrows, about the person sitting next to you, about who you are yourself, that you might begin to see (laughs) who he's created you to be that he thought you were worthwhile to spend everything on. I got to have you. I want you. I want you all to be there. As a matter of fact, they send out invitations personally with your name on them. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's invited to the party. (laughs) He doesn't want anyone left out. Everybody's welcome. Come as you are. You don't have to get dressed up. You don't have to have it together. Just come. Just come. Come as you are. He wants to put everything in order. In his, in his presence, we are put into order. And getting a glimpse of him does that. And valuing one another does that. I don't know how it works. It just, it just does. It's the way he does things. And um, 
I'm, I'm blessed by that. Um, and a couple other things I had to share here. I believe that we're entering um, a new season. And I, I've, I've dubbed this name the season, the, the Lazarus season. You see, we were all dead and stinking in our, in our tombs and our graves. And he called us to life. And he called us out. But then he does something very interesting. He says, uh, set him free. Unwrap him. Ha, unwrap him. Set him free. We're to do the unwrapping. We're to unwrap each other. Ha! <laughs> Watch out. Get some sunglasses because it's going to be bright. <laughs> Get those sunglasses. It's going to be really bright. It's going to be really bright. When you start to see, oh, wow, what's my king put in you? What aspect of himself is in you and in you and in you and in you? What aspect of him do I get to, to cherish today or relish today? What aspect, what treasure has he placed in your life that's, huh, that I get to enjoy? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Let's do that, huh? Yeah. All right, so rest of us, let's pray. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, good. Oh, oh, a message from heaven. Oh, look at this. Wait. Oh, oh, yeah, that's it. Hold on. Let me get this here. Oh, you are fashioned by the king. I'm thankful for you all. You may not see how valuable you are, but be reassured. He thought you were worth spending everything on, and I agree with him. It's amazing. He empowers us with his spirit to live, trusting in him and his trustworthiness. May you be blessed forever, knowing you are celebrated and loved enjoyed and trusted with his remarkable love. This is the other thing. Huh. I get to be get to come into agreement with how he sees me. I get to come into agreement with how he sees you. Ha. Huh. That is my freedom. That is my joy. That is freedom. So I just release that upon you tonight, that freedom and that joy of being free of judging and judgments that are not his. I bless you with seeing with new eyes from the eyes of heaven, from heaven to earth. I bless you with seeing his heart for one another. I bless you as he sees yourselves. Ha, yes. Ha, the great reveille. Ha, he, he rejoices in seeing you as you truly are. Ha, I bless you. Ha, in the Father's name. Ha, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.